welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning and what a privilege it is to be with you again as we continue this series entitled Greater. I love that. Our God is able. The Bible says that our God, the God we serve, is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or even think. How good is that? What an encouragement. That's what I call good news. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but, but just recently, a line from an old, old song has been playing in my head. Has that ever happened? It doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're going, all you can hear is this line on repeat. And, and the line simply goes like this. The God of the mountains is still God in the valleys. It's actually taken from the scripture in 1 Kings chapter 20 when the enemies of Israel had come to fight against them. God was on Israel's side and that day they saw a mighty, mighty victory through the hand of God working in and through them. But then the enemy decided that they would try again. I think it was approximately a year later they come to attack them. But listen to their philosophy, listen to their mindset, listen to their strategy, this is how we'll approach it. They said these words in 1 Kings 20, hey, when we fought them on the hills or the mountains, God was victorious in and through them. Let's fight them in the valley. Because they thought that the God of the mountains was not the God of the valley. Well, of course, we know that he is God of all things and in all things. And that day again, Israel had a mighty, mighty victory. And it's this incredible reminder that the God of the mountains, the greater God, is still with us when each of us walk through a valley. A valley is usually something that is in between. It's in between a, a mountain or a range or in between a hillsides. In between, have you ever felt in between a season of being in between? You're not where you were, but you're not where you know you should be. Your health maybe not as bad as it was, but it's not as good as it could be. You're maybe in between jobs. Sometimes it's challenging when you find yourself in that season of in between, between something in the valley. Now, this morning, I could have spoke about the Valley of Baca. We find that in Psalm 84. That was the Valley of Weeping. Or I could have talked about the Valley of Achor that we find in Joshua chapter 7. That's referred to as the Valley of Trouble. But I don't want that to, do, to do that today. We might revisit that. But I want to speak of the Valley of Baraka. It's the Valley of Blessing and victory. I believe that God desires for us as his children to walk in his blessing and walk in victory. I've discovered something over many, many years that before we find victory, often there's a battle to be fought and an enemy to overcome. 
And I want to take you to what I consider an amazing story in the Bible. It's a strange story that we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where we read these words. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now listen to this. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them, and they finished slaughtering the men from Seir. They helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, much more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Isn't that wonderful? On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Have you ever asked yourself why the canon of Scripture records at times what may seem to us so, uh, so many outdated, irrelevant stories? I'll tell you why. Because certain principles never change. The law of gravity, the law of growth, the law of harvest, the law of mathematics, two and two make four. But let's you and I, let's walk through this valley of blessing and victory and let's see what we can learn. What does God have to say to us today in regard to this theme, greater? Now before that, I want to parallel this with a couple of other valleys. One we find in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's called the Valley of Elah. You'll be familiar with that. That is where David fought against the giant Goliath. And then in Judges chapter 7, we read about the Valley of Midian. That's where Gideon and his 300 men saw an incredible victory over the enemy. Each of these stories, there's one thing that we can clearly see, is God's miraculous intervention. Look at each of these stories. Look at the odds. Let me ask you the question. Would you have wanted to be there? It's the last place that I would have wanted to be. Why? Think about this. Jehoshaphat is facing a, a multitude. Uh, three nations come together to fight against them. For David, he's facing that giant that we know, Goliath, the armor with an armor bearer, a shield, and a spear. And for Gideon, the Bible records it this way, the camels looked like sand on the seashore and the troops were as thick as locusts without number. I don't know about you folks, but would you want to be there? 
it's a place that sometimes we find ourselves in the natural when we're going through circumstance. It's that place of feeling overwhelmed, overwhelming circumstances. Human limitation. God, what can we do? But I believe that there is one incredible big lesson that we learn from this, and it's these words, the battle belongs to the Lord. Let me say that again. The battle is the Lord's. Because we see in that story of David, 1 Samuel chapter 17, the mouse versus the mountain, that when David ran towards that giant and the giant was trying to intimidate him by his words and how he looked, think about it, what did David say? David said this with confidence, I know the battle is the Lord's. For Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, the tales of woe concerned overwhelmed, Job's comforters coming to tell him, we're never going to make this. The prophet of God came and was certainly said, Jehoshaphat, the battle is the Lord. And what about poor Gideon in in Judges chapter 7? My friend, his knees weren't uh, missing, his knees knocking, his knees were missing. I mean, what was he going to do with 300 men against this great multitude? Well, the Bible tells us that he went down to survey, to to see what was going on, to to look at the enemy, to perhaps get the lay of the land. And as he went down there, he heard one of the men of Midian say, I I had a nightmare last night. (laughs) My goodness. And his friend said, what happened? He said, "I, I saw a loaf of bread roll down the hill and land on our tent and take us out. Gideon uh, knew at that moment that it was the sword of the Lord. And he returned to his troops with confidence in his spirit. Why? Because he knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. My friends, when you look at these three stories, we've got to understand and be reminded of this incredible fact. God has ways and means of fighting battles that we haven't even thought of, that we haven't even considered. The incredible thing is, if the battle is the Lord's, he picks the time, he picks the place, he picks the weapons, and he picks the strategy and the outcome. But I am here to declare to you, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever valley you find yourself in, Whatever situation is, has landed at your door, if you're feeling overwhelmed, be encouraged today with this good news. The battle is the Lord's. You see, God doesn't fight like we fight. He, loses, he uses uh, slingshots and he uses choirs. Come on, think about this. A choir goes out to sing against a heathen army, tambourines versus swords, choirs and singers against spears. It doesn't make much sense. Gideon and his 300 men, they go out there with trumpets and candles in a picture. They had to shout and shine. Folks, we know how these battle ends, but could you imagine being there? And I think one of the hardest orders for all of us to follow is stand still, for the battle is the Lord's. I don't know about you, but I'm very aware also that there's a lot of battles that I should have trusted God and I should have gone for it. I gave up too easily. And then I'm also going to be honest, there's many battles and things I've got involved with and I should have kept out of the way. Things escalated when Neil Cameron got involved. 
And I trust today that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whether it's a battle of ill health, whether it's a battle of finance, whether it's a family situation, whether you just feel disorientated and, and out of pace within yourself, can I bring encouragement from this scripture? The battle is the Lord's. You see, I think it's time that we fight for our family. I think it's time we fight for our future. I think we need to stand up and fight for our community and our town and believe that God has still to do greater works. When you read the scriptures, you also discover in these stories that before David had to fight a giant, he had to overcome another enemy, and that was his brother. You would have thought that his family would have been the ones that were cheering him on, that were excited for him, that were glad that David had come on the scene. But the first thing that David had to deal with was his very own brother who criticized him and, and doubted his ability. Why was Eliab so upset? Maybe as a man of war, he was a little bit embarrassed because his brother had more faith in him, more confidence than him, more trust in God. You see, when you march to the sound of a different drum, you discover that you'll have to deal with that we can and we can't. You'll be amazed the voices around you, perhaps the voices within you, that would cause you to doubt and despair and become discouraged and walk in distress. People that you thought should be lifting you up, cheering you on, pushing you forward, standing beside you, shoulder to shoulder. Sometimes they can be the very people that you have to overcome before actually you have to deal with the real battle. Joseph experienced this in the book of Genesis. His first enemy that he had to deal with before there was ever uh, a palace, he had to deal with his brothers who dealt with him. And we know that before he ended up in that palace, he had to deal with pit and the slavery and, and jail and everything surrounding that. But what did Joseph do? Joseph knew that in order to truly be victorious, that he had to embrace those very people that discouraged, dissuaded, and doubted him. That's why he was able to say in Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil, but God means it for good. And in the battle of, of Gideon with the Midianites, it's amazing you would think everyone was celebrating. Yes, well done. How could 300 men win against so many, such a multitude? Truly, this is the hand of God. But the Bible says that the men of Ephraim were upset with Gideon because they hadn't been invited to the battle. They weren't part of the parade. And Gideon says, wait a minute, God used you mightily. You were responsible for taking the generals out. And sometimes people can feel, when they feel rejected, they can turn bitter, angry, and they can find fault. And I want to encourage you, my friend, if you find yourself in a situa situation like this, what did Gideon do? Gideon brought reconciliation, healing, and health. Come on, guys, you've done so well. Maybe you weren't there at the beginning, but you're part of this incredible story. You took the generals out. Let's rejoice together. Well, what valuable lessons can we learn in this time that I've got left? 
from these incredible valleys of how you and I can walk in blessing and victory. Here's some stepping stones to help you. Things I think that we all have to do. I think number one, sometimes we've just got to be honest. Let's get true perspective. What did Jehoshaphat say in 2 Chronicles 20? He said these words. We do not know what to do. Have you ever felt like that? Family, you love on them. You're there for them. You encourage them. You cheer them on. And still there seems to be a breakdown. And sometimes all you can do is say, God, I just don't know what to do. When you give it your best shot, when, when you do everything you can. I remember a, a number of years ago. Now, I'm not a golfer. Anyone will tell you that. But a number of years ago, I had the opportunity just to go out for a friend and, and we're playing. And, 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 and I had a shot. Now, this has only happened occasionally. You know one of those shots when everything just connects? And man, I, I hit that shot. I chipped it onto the green. And I tell you, it was just gay from the pen. And, and I'll be honest, I'm thinking to myself, beat that. Well, my friend, he took his shot. And you're with me. His shot, his ball, ended up even closer to the pen than mine. What do you do in life when you play your best shot and it's still not enough? When your pride is shattered and you're just at that point of, of giving up, I'll tell you what, don't give up because you never get serious with God, I think, until we get to that place of, of desperation. I wrote this down in my notes. The place of progress is the place of surrender. How big is my God? How able is my God? He created the heavens and the earth. And today you may be looking at your situation and you're honest enough. I don't know what to do. Maybe you've tried everything. All your wisdom, all your smarts, all your experience, all your connections. They've all come together and it's still not enough to deal with the situation. My friend, trust in God and be honest with the situation. But I see something else here. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Because Jehoshaphat didn't only say, we don't know what to do, but he said these incredible words. But God, our eyes are on you. I know when I felt in that place of being overwhelmed, that I've made the, the mistake of getting my eyes on myself, in my abilities. I've got my eyes on the past. I've got my eyes on my pain. I've got my eyes on my weakness. And I've discovered that when I'm focusing on my weakness, then I'm not looking to his strength. I've got my eyes on circumstance. I've got my eyes on so many things. And that's why the prophet Isaiah says to us in Isaiah 26, listen to these beautiful words that you'll be familiar with. You will keep him in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The NLT translation puts it this way, those whose eyes are fixed. The ESV, English Standard Version translation says this, those whose eyes are stayed on you. 
And I love the Amplified when it says, we will be perfect and constant when we're committed and focused. Do you get that, folks? When we choose not to look at circumstance, but we choose to keep our eyes fixed on God. When we refuse to put our eyes down, but keep our eyes up. When we refuse to be distracted and we're looking at God. Corey Ten Boom said these incredible words. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. What beautiful words. You know, when you look at the scripture, we see that, that Jesus rebuked Peter twice. In John 21, three times he says to Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter was getting just a little bit annoyed. And because he was feeling hurt, that Jesus kept asking him his question. He, he saw one of the other disciples and he asked Jesus this question. In the midst of Jesus asking him questions, he now asks a question to Jesus. Well, well what about him, Jesus? What, what about him? And you know what Jesus says? And I'm going to paraphrase here. Jesus basically said to him, John 21, 21, Peter, what has that got to do with you? You see, sometimes we want to deflect. We don't want to, to look in the mirror. We'd rather look through the window. Well, well, God, what about this and what about that? And it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Listen, get your eyes off of folks. Get your eyes on Jesus. And then the other occasion that you are so familiar with is, is when, Jesus, uh, sorry, when Peter was beginning to, to sink. And we know that he got his eyes on the wind and the, the waves and, and Jesus rebuked him. And sometimes that's like us folks. We get our eyes on our circumstances. Waves are, are something that goes up and down, undulating and vacillating. Smooth one moment and then unsteady. Sounds like our emotions, doesn't it? We've got to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to be led by our emotions. I have discovered in life that sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down. And if I go by my feelings and by what I see, I'm in trouble. But if we only look to the God, the one, the Bible says, who never changes, who's always the same. Think about this. God never has a down day. He never has a day when he's feeling out of it. He is the same. He is constant. He is an anchor. And the Bible says he will keep us, us, who? Me and you, in perfect peace. When? When our eyes are fixed on him. So let's be honest. Lord, I don't know what to do. Let's keep our eyes fixed. But my eyes are on you. And then what happened in this incredible story? I've got to tell you this. What happened? Well, the Bible says that the man of God instructed them, here's what you're going to do. You don't go with sword. You don't go with spear. You don't go the usual ways that we go to fight a battle. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to send out a choir. What? Joseph asks. You're going to send out a choir. And they're going to begin to sing about the greatness of God. So when they did that, here's the incredible ways that God works. God took the sound of the choir he put it into that heavenly amplifier. He turned it up so it covered the whole area. And the enemy that was coming to fight against Jehoshaphat and his men were thrown into confusion. They began to fight against each other. 
Eventually, when Jehoshaphat and his people arrived, everyone was dead. The enemy was dead. In fact, the Bible says that the victory was so great, I quote, that it took three days to gather the spoils. And then on the fourth day, they met God in praise and victory. Where? In the valley of Baraka. My friend, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever makes you feel overwhelmed right now, good news, the battle is still the Lord's. And whether you feel like a David fighting a giant, a Gideon three, with 300 men against a vast army, or Jehoshaphat feeling overwhelmed by those that are coming against them, here's the good news. Whatever it is, the battle is still the Lord's. But let's be honest about our situation. I don't know what to do. Let's keep our eyes on him. My eyes are on you, God. And let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord when? Praise the Lord now. Oh, Neil, when we, when we come through the battle, when we get the victory, I tell you, I'm going to say, no, 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 my friend. The lesson from Jehoshaphat is we praise and give God the glory before we even see the expected result. And then, like Jehoshaphat, my prayer is that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, 20, verses 29, we read these words. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat, this is my prayer for you, was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. The valley of blessing, the valley of victory, the place that I want to walk in, I want to be at, that place of peace and place of rest. My friend, for your home, for your family, for your situation, whatever valley you find yourself in, my God is greater. And whoever, whatever you're dealing with, be reminded, the battle is the Lord's. And of course, as we come to the end of this sermon thought, I have to remind you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he conquered death, hell, and the grave and was victorious over them all. And he came that you and I could have a relationship with his Father God. That whatever condemnation we feel we're under, whatever struggles we have, whatever vices we can't get the victory over and think I'm never going to be any different, that we can put our hand in the hand of Jesus and we can find victory. We can see chains broken. We can walk in freedom, the Bible says, that we become new creations in him. How? Because the battle is the Lord's. Neil, I, I, I can't break this addiction. My God can. It'll never be different. God can help you. The God that worked for Gideon, the God that was there with David, the God that walked alongside Jehoshaphat is the God that is victorious in your life and wants to walk through you. But first, we have to commit our ways to him. We have to give our life to Jesus. 
I'd love to pray with you, pray for you. If you do not know Jesus, hey, why don't you include yourself in this prayer right now? Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner, but I thank God that you are my Savior. I thank you for victory that was won for us at the cross and on the resurrection. And Father, I pray right now that you would come into our hearts, that you would forgive us of sin, that you would help us to become children of God and live according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.